second time. It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. Hi, back with you. Here we go. Hour number two of the show, off and running. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. I'm Matt. Bill is here. Thanks for you. Thanks. We are thankful for you. Glad you're here. You can be a part of the show. Text us on the Country Pleasing text line, 885-ESPN, 601 number. 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Or call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059, 601 number, 995-1059. Love to hear your voice and give us a shout. I'd like to give a shout out on National Disc Jockey Day. As in DJ, as in original old days of the DJs, right? Let's see, Bill told me a while ago, he said, sitting between the tables and spinning the labels and what? Spinning the discs and taking the risks. (laughs) It's fantastic. And uh, so I'd like to give a shout out to some DJs I heard about one time. Years ago, they were having a bass fishing tournament having its way in in downtown New Orleans. And uh, the way in is when they pull the boats in there and they weigh the fish and all this. And they turn them loose, the ones, you know. Anyway, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, was having a protest across the street corner from the entrance to the way-in there. And uh, one of the people with the PETA protest had on a big suit dressed up like a fish wearing a sign around its neck that says, Hooks Hurt. They were protesting the fishing tournament. And so some local DJs, live on the radio, right across the street corner, got out there and hooked up a fryer and had a fish fry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was in about 15 yards of the PETA protest. <laughs> so shout out to those DJs. You, you know, know we were, we were just talking about the KRP stuff there again, and I told you about the funeral home jingle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you found it. So one more funsy here on National Disc Jockey Day since we're on the radio. You really shout out to, to all disc jockeys. It'd be great if you could see this because the guy who owns the funeral home is just dancing. He's doing jingle. But, okay, uh, yeah, so this is WKRP in Cincinnati, a radio yeah. disc jockey, uh, great sitcom from years ago. Right. And 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 one of the salespeople has written a jingle for Herb a funeral Tarlick. home. Herb Tarlick. Herb. Herb Tarlick wrote the wrote a jingle for his Ferriman's funeral home, and this is how it goes. Okay. Ferriman funerals take four. Farrowman Memorial Park offers you and your loved ones complete funeral services at a reasonable price. How's that? Perfect. Tape's still rolling. Everybody ready? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Hey, you're young and swinging. No time to think about tomorrow. But there ain't no way to deny it. Someday you're gonna buy it. He's dancing to this. <laughs> six count of six convenient locations plus four group rates and free parking. It's all yours at Ferryman Funeral. Bye bye. Oh, that is fantastic. Did he say, 
he, did they say he's the man with the part? Mom with the plot, the man with the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the people that work on the show. That's all the, the disc jockeys and, of course, Jennifer and all of them all singing the jingle. He's the man with the plot. And the dude sitting behind the glass dancing that owns the funeral. <laughs> and they asked, they told Johnny to punch it up. Punch up that, that uh, you know, mm, that's voiceover. Great. Yeah. He's the man with the plot and the man with the plan. Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, a funeral home jingle. You know how popular that would be if you really ran one like that? Now, I don't know if you'd get any business. That's the whole point, right? <laughs> but, the, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> but the ad would go viral. There's no question about it. That's great stuff. All right. Happy National Disc Jockey Day. More on that uh, in a bit. All right, uh, you can text the show, 885-ESPN-601 number. Yeah, back to sports. <laughs> In my best uh, radio goober voice. Now, back to sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all the sports, see the sports, here's <laughs> Hey! And then we hit a laugh track, right? We hit. Then we hit the laugh track. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that how we do it? <laughs> <clears throat> That's great. You hey, need sports? He's got it. Hey, one day, like, one day I was, let's see, we had Beaver. Beaver was here filling in. I think it was before you started working on the show, Bill. He was filling in for Roger one day. And Roger had let me know that at that time, Beaver was against the playing oh. of sound bites. Mm -hmm. You know, he, not that he would, it made him sick. It's like he just, Artistically, he didn't like playing the soundbite. <laughs> and Roger had let me know. He wanted to know what they had to do with sports. Right. And so Beaver came in that day, and I'm talking about for like a solid hour. I did nothing but hit buttons over here on this thing. Go. Just button after go. button after button. We had a lot of fun at Beaver's expense that day. See, celebrating radio. Okay, sports. Uh, text me at 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Or call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. It's a 601 number. Divinity Equipment, Highway 51, Madison, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson. You are a Kubota dealer. They have been selling the number one Kubota dealer in the U.S. Um, they've been doing it better longer than anybody else. Okay, let me show you here. A mock draft. Now, mock drafts, to me... I like them a little better than preseason polls because generally they do a little bit better job of nailing some of the guys, um, you know, that that are going to be drafted in the first round, like telling us who they are. Now, not all of them. Certainly, there are some that by the time draft rolls around, they drop out. It's the positioning, you know. That's the thing that we debate over the years. When you think about it, some of these these mock draft deals, we debate because. They'll say somebody's going one and they don't go one. Or they'll say Aaron Rodgers is top ten and he falls to the bottom of the first round. You know, stuff like that. Every now and then you get a, a Tebow type of pick where it's heavily debated. But you think about it, year to year, we're, they're pretty much telling us who the first round guys are. It's just it may vary spot to spot on which team actually takes them on draft day in that first round. Because trades will happen, stuff like that. Okay, so that's my I'm, – I'm stumping here for some of these mock drafts. They generally do a pretty good job of grouping these early 
guys, and some of it's more obvious than others. But I wanted to bring this to your attention because um, there's something I don't, I'm not quite getting. And I have to be careful here because it, it, it may come across as critical of somebody they have in the first round. I don't mean it that way at all. So here we go. A swig of coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, highpointroasters.com. If you get your coffee there, you're going to be happy about it. Trust me, highpointroasters.com. Mel Kuyper, he does get some right wrong, but he's got his mock draft updated as of, what, 24 hours ago? So here's what Mel Kuyper says, and, and we do know this about Kuyper. He's talking to NFL people. This is who he's getting it from. Number one, Jaguars taking Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end, Michigan, with the number one pick. Defensive end, Michigan. Number two, the Lions going with the defensive end out of Oregon, Kayvon Thibodeau. Controversial recent comments about education at Alabama, and that's why he didn't want to go there. I said controversial. People made a big deal out of nothing, if you ask me. That's why I didn't talk about it. Number three, pick. This is Mel Kuyper's mock draft. Third. Overall, Houston taking Evan Neal, offensive tackle, Alabama. Fourth overall, Jets taking safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Fifth pick overall, number five, New York Giants taking Ikem Ikwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. Fifth overall, got to see him play in person this year. He is big Time. There's a reason NC State finished the top 25 team. They beat Clemson this year. And just about every running play they ever ran went left because of this guy. He's really good. And number six overall, Mel Kuyper has the Carolina Panthers taking Charles Cross, Mississippi State offensive tackle, sixth overall. Seventh, he's got the Giants going with the linebacker out of uh, Michigan, David Ojabu. Uh, I think I didn't say that right, but you get the point. Eighth overall, Atlanta Falcons taking at number eight, Derek Stingley Jr., the corner out of LSU. Some people think he will go higher than that. This is Kuyper's mock draft at number nine. The Broncos taking Mississippi's own, N'Kobe Dean, linebacker, Georgia. Top ten pick for N'Kobe Dean, number ten. He has the Jets. The Jets, by the way, with two top ten picks. He has the Jets taking a receiver. Drake London, the receiver out of USC at number 10. Okay, now it gets interesting. Listen close, especially if you are a, and depending on who you are a fan of, but if you're a fan of quarterbacks. At number 11, the Washington football team. Yes, I have friends who are former Redskin fans. Now they are the Washington football team fans. At number 11 overall, Kuyper has Washington taking a quarterback, but not Matt Corral. He has Washington taking Malik Willis, quarterback from Liberty, as the number one quarterback off the board instead of uh, the kid from Pitt, Pickett, and instead of Matt Corral. He has Willis going at number 11 to Washington. Okay, so let's come back to that. At number 12, he has Minnesota taking a corner out of Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner. At 13, he has the Browns taking a receiver out of Ohio State, Garrett Wilson. 14, he's got the Ravens going with their offensive line. They're uh, taking the center, Linderbaum, out of Iowa. 15th pick, he says the Eagles are going to go with the linebacker from Utah, Devin Lloyd. 
16th pick, he's got the Philadelphia Eagles taking the pass rusher. Uh, how do you say that? Ebikidi out of Penn State. 17th pick, Chargers, getting the big, huge defensive tackle from Georgia, Jordan Davis. At no, Listen close. At number 18, Mel Kuyper has the New Orleans Saints taking a quarterback, Kenny Pickett, quarterback, Pitt. Not Matt Corral. At number 19, he has the Philadelphia Eagles with two first-round picks, taking a receiver, Chris Olave out of uh, Ohio State. I think he'll go higher. And then here we are at pick number 20. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking a quarterback to replace Ben Roethlisberger. He has the Steelers going with Matt Corral, quarterback, Ole Miss, with the 20th pick in his latest mock draft. And then the rest of them. At 21, the Patriots taking Jamison Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. 22, the Raiders taking Clemson corner, Andrew Booth. At 23, Arizona going with the defensive end, Karlaftis out of Purdue. 24, the Cowboys taking a pass rusher, Trayvon Walker from Georgia. 25, Bengals going offensive tackle, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. 26, the Dolphins taking a receiver out of Penn State, uh, Jayon Dotson. 27, the Bills are going to take a corner, he says. Trent McDuffie from Washington. He's got the uh, the Lions taking Sam Howell, the quarterback, out of North Carolina at number 28. He's got the Chiefs at 29 going defensive end, Cameron Thomas, San Diego State. He's got the Buccaneers at 30 going Texas A&M defensive lineman DeMarvin Leal. And then he's got, at 31, the Titans with a corner, Kyler Gordon from Washington. And then he's got Packers with the 32nd pick. So he's kind of telling you, like, the draft order as it is right now. He's got the Packers at 32, taking the tight end out of Colorado State, Trey McBride. It's not often that you see uh, a sure enough tight end going to first round. So, of course, you saw Pitts last year from Florida, but you know, he's a little bit of a different type of tight end. But at any rate, there you go. So that's what he has. Now, back to this quarterback thing. Special K texted me and said, Mel Kuyper is off his rocker. <laughs> and I would like to know, Special K, why you say that. I, I'm going to tell you something. Y- you know, I don't know. I don't know where it could be coming from. I, I do know that these, these foremost draft analysts, maybe they, maybe they are in an earlier version of a mock draft, just hunting clicks. Okay, because if you go out here and you tell folks that Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, is going to be the first quarterback taken, you know, maybe it generates that. You know, but you're supposed to talk to people and know. All I know is that at the 11th pick, he's got Malik Willis out of Liberty coming off the board before Kenny Pickett from Pitt before Matt Corral, before Sam Howell, he's got him going as a first one. And, you know, my thing is, I've, I've heard for two years about Malik Willis at Liberty. 
And, of course, we know his career path is that he went to Auburn initially, and then he went to Colin Community College and did well there. Out to Liberty, played for Hugh Freeze, and put up huge numbers in that huge Hugh Freeze offense. And uh, he is a big, thick, strong, good, sturdy athlete. He is smooth fast. Okay? He's not like lightning fast, Lamar Jackson fast, but he's smooth fast. You know, he's he's sturdy, he's thick, he's got ability. But I'll be honest with you, I saw a couple of games that he played in this year, including against Ole Miss. And to me, he looked um, like he still has a lot of developing to do. Mechanically, he still looked, he looked to me like he still has a, a lot of coaching left to absorb. He's got a lot of footwork work to do. He's got a lot of work left on tightening up mechanics and sort of being that, you know, elbow to wrist, ball coming out of your ear, flick of the wrist passer versus just wind up and throw it like I'm throwing a guy out at second base. He looked to me still unpolished and like rough around the edges sort of. Um and I know he made a lot of plays and put up big numbers, but then like this year you saw him in that game against Ole Miss, and, and it was on the road in an SEC stadium, and Ole Miss was a much better football team overall. I know that. But I have to say, I mean, in no way did he look to me like the kind of quarterback that an NFL team was going to go out here and take ahead of Matt Corral. I mean, if I'm just looking at, I mean, any team, just line them up. Um, you'd say, okay, uh, y'all come over here. Any, we, we got all the GMs and coaches from the NFL teams in one room here. See, and I say, okay, guys, any of y'all that need a quarterback and you're, you may go first round, all right, come over here, let's talk. I'm going to line you up. Let's talk to y'all. You know, and, th- and then we turn and we look at our options on the other side over here, and here they are lined up. And it's Matt Corral, Malik Willis, and Pickett, and Sam Howell, and a few others. And I go, you know, there's one guy here who you have multiple years of tape starting games in the Southeastern Conference at home in the SEC, on the road in the SEC, in every environment, down players, players healthy, games in which they're at a huge talent. Disadvantage and at games they're at talent advantage, all the sort in the Southeastern Conference, and this is what this guy did. You know, here we got one who did it in the ACC, okay? And he went to Pickett, went to Tennessee this year and lit them up, okay? And he's good. There ain't no question he's good. Howell in the ACC. And we got one who did it at Liberty. You know, and you have what? One game of tape in his entire career against an SEC team? And in that one this year at Ole Miss, and let's be honest, Ole Miss defense was much improved, but they, they weren't Georgia. You know, they weren't Alabama. They weren't even Arkansas, for that matter. But you got one tape of him against Ole Miss's defense, and, and frankly, he looked like he's got a long way to go. Maybe they know something I don't know. And see, here's my thing. I'm not – I hate to sound like I'm being super critical of Malik Willis. I'm not – Athletic ability, arm strength. I don't even know about intangibles. I'm not around him. I wouldn't know that stuff. But just, you know, physically all the stuff, yeah. I mean, 
could he develop into being somebody who could maybe play in the NFL? Sure. And I, I just don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. You know, I, I, I look and they say, well, okay, he'll be the, Kuiper says he's going to be the first one. I'm just going based on what? What order you base? Who would base that? And now, the other side of this is, okay, Kuiper's doing this mock draft and he's got Washington saying, you know, and here, Malik Willis, first quarterback taken out of Liberty, going to Washington. Okay, well, let's just go hypothetical. Maybe somebody in Washington is telling Mel Kuyper that. Because if there's about one football team in the whole draft that I think might take Willis ahead of Corral, it might be Washington, given their recent history. Took Haskins in the first round out of Ohio State. How'd that work out? Oh, by the way, in terms of evaluation indictment, Urban Meyer, never forget that Urban Meyer at Ohio State chose Dwayne Haskins over Joe Burrow. (laughs) How's that all shaking out? But, okay, and Special K texted me back on the Country Pleasing text, and he said, Willis over Pickett or Corral is crazy talk. Pickett and Corral are the main two anyone talks about. Willis is slightly above average, but no way he has picked over those other two. And see, that's the way... I, I looked at it too, and that's what, all I could think of. Special K is like, are, are we have we reached a point where a guy like Mel Kiper has to put something like this on his mock draft in order to get people to click on it? Have we reached that point? Because it's the only thing that would make any sense, really. At least that's the way I see it for now. All right, rolling along in hour two. Stick around. Any idea what time it is? It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Talking more great sports for you, Mississippi. Online transmission is ready, sir. All right, back with you. Just to kind of continue, but also get ready to bring it to a close, just looking at it. It's one mock draft, but if you're just tuning in, I was bringing this up a minute ago that Mel Kuyper, in his latest mock draft, has Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, as the first quarterback drafted at number 11 going to Washington. Then the second quarterback he has being drafted is the Saints taking Kenny Pickett out of Pitt at pick number 18. And I was reading through some of this stuff here, and I learned a couple of things I didn't necessarily realize at this point. Maybe you're the same way, so I want to pass this on to you. He mentions that Kenny Pickett coming out of um, Pitt this year had a 42 touchdowns, seven interception season. Threw 42 touchdowns and seven picks. Kuyper says he's a perfect fit for New Orleans. Took a big leap this year. Big time accuracy. Started 49 games in college. Wow, I didn't realize that. So he started 49 games. He was super duper experienced. No wonder he made a big jump last year in his this past season in his last year in college. Wants to play right away. Okay, get this. He says, the biggest question I've heard from people in the NFL is one that you might laugh at, hand size. Kenny Pickett has small hands. He says, we'll find out the exact size of his hands at the Senior Bowl soon, which is, uh, for all of us, it's basically less than a month, just a couple weeks away when they'll practice and then play that Senior Bowl game on February the 5th. He says that does matter to some teams when they do the drafting. 
It says, but if he can play his home games in a dome in New Orleans, that is a plus. Anyway, I thought I'd point that out. So then you scroll down a couple of picks later is when he says the Steelers would take Matt Corral out of Ole Miss with pick number 20. Okay, and he highlights you know their need and, of course, you know all this, uh, Ben Roethlisberger retiring. Here's what he said. He said that Corral fits the mentality of what Mike Tomlin wants with his team. He's a tough guy. He says he took a beating in multiple games in 2021, even ran 30 times for 195 yards and went over Tennessee. And he's an excellent passer, too. Touch, accuracy, arm strength. At six feet tall, he's not the biggest quarterback. But he threw 20 touchdown passes and just five picks this season. Now, stats are stats. That's all they are. They will tell you a little bit, not a lot. Like a bikini, they'll show you. A lot, but not everything. Uh, six feet tall. Ms. He goes, and so this year, of course, had a running element to Corral's game in that offense at Ole Miss, but you compare it to Pickett. Pickett throws, what was it? Again, 42? 42 touchdowns and seven picks for Pickett in the ACC. 20 touchdowns and five picks for Corral in the SEC. And did miss some time. Sprained his ankle in the bowl game, but he'll be fine for the combine. But here's what he said. Because he hasn't graduated from school yet he's the only one of the top quarterbacks who won't be at the senior bowl he's going to get his chance to show his skill set in front of scouts later on yeah so there you go and i'm assuming combine also but you know senior bowl deal i looked it up and uh you've got the national team and the american team that'll be in mobile for the senior bowl in a week or two the Jets staff is coaching one team, and the Lions staff is coaching the other. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, anyhow, for one team, each team has three quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl, and on one of them you've got Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, and then Carson Strong from Nevada. And on the other team in the Senior Bowl, you will have – hold on a minute. You'll have Malik Willis from Liberty – Bailey Zappa from Western Kentucky threw for, uh, what was it, 5,000 yards this year, set some kind of record. And then Sam Howell from North Carolina. Okay, so all these, you know, that's another thing, too, is there, there's several different opportunities postseason, pre-draft, in that span of time between the end of the season and the draft in April where people evaluate these players, the first one is the Senior Bowl for the older guys. The next one would be the pro days, usually whenever those are, before or after the combine, because the combine's a big one, right? Laser time, 40-yard dashes, and all this kind of stuff. Get them all in one place. And so I, I really think that... Um, you just wonder, okay? Like you take a guy like Malik Willis, they get a really good eyeball on him. Several practices, watch him at the Senior Bowl against that level of competition. Did you realize that Malik Willis was sacked fifty-one times this year at Liberty? I mean, talk about not having an offensive line in front of you. Sacked fifty-one times in one season. Phew, that's a bunch, isn't it? I mean, you play twelve games. Do the do the math there. <laughs> Anyhow, um, 
Let's let it pass that along. So Corral, not a senior bowl guy, hasn't graduated yet, so they'll evaluate him elsewhere. Meanwhile, these other guys, all three of the others who projected to be first-rounders, Willis, Howell, and Pickett, will all be going through the ringer at the Senior Bowl. And I don't know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago he sprained his ankle real good in the Sugar Bowl after being banged up during the season. He he might not, even if he could, he might not have wanted to go through the whole Senior Bowl stuff. Well, I mean, not once, not the right word. He might. It might not have been best for him to go through the Senior Bowl stuff, depending on that, that healing process. So I just thought I'd point that out. I just don't see it happening. I mean, like I said a minute ago, I don't see a scenario where as soon as it that draft rolls down to one or two of those teams needing a quarterback, Saints included, the first two they're going to take are going to be Pickett and Corral in some order. And Corral may be the first one. And we will have to uh, – that will remain to be seen. All right. Country Please and Text Line, Ready Teddy said, Matt, I sent this to my new Michigan friends on the Facebook group I told you about. All right, before I read it, he uh, <laughs> Teddy told us a story about prior to the playoff game against Georgia, getting on a Michigan Facebook group, Michigan Wolverines, and just going ahead and telling them, y'all fixing to get whipped <laughs> by Georgia. And they made him like public enemy number one online. And then when he was right about it, apparently they have wrapped their arms around him and Teddy, do I have this right? Pretty soon, you know, all your good, all your best friends are going to be Michigan fans. Is that how this is working? <laughs> I may be exaggerating that part. He t- he said he sent this to them on the Facebook group. It says, "Don't make fun of the South when it snows. It's rare. Sort of like a Northern school winning a football national championship." Do they make fun of us, Teddy, when it snows? Because you know we get an inch and a half of snow and we. Let the kids stay home from school. <laughs> we don't go anywhere. We, you know, we stock up on bread and milk so we can have milk sandwiches, like somebody said a few weeks ago. Do they make fun of us for that? And I guess if they do, okay, fine. All right, listen. Uh, here's a historical note on this day, January the twentieth. January the twentieth, all the way back in 1985. The most watched Super Bowl game in history. Super Bowl 19, the San Francisco 49ers whipped up on the Miami Dolphins. It was Joe Montana versus Dan Marino. I'm going to play you a highlight package, and I want to see if you recognize the voice of the narrator. Instead of an old-fashioned pep talk, Bill Walsh used sarcasm as a motivational tool. I can remember Walsh lying down in the middle of the floor and he just started rumbling on and on about Miami. Oh, they have such a great offense. Oh my God, how are we going to stop them? On San Francisco's second drive of the first quarter, Joe Montana threw a 33-yard scoring pass to Carl Monroe. He's in the end zone for a touchdown for the 49 Fantastic. You know, they talk about Marino having a great arm, and I'll tell you, nobody could have thrown that ball any harder and on target than Montana did that to him. Marino immediately retaliated. Miami regained the lead to end the first quarter. But from that point on, Super Bowl 19 belonged to Joe Montana. KK, stop it! During the second quarter, Montana directed three successive touchdown drives. 
all eyes were now fixed on pro football's best quarterback. A handoff given to Craig. Craig Connors is way to the goal line. He goes in for a 49er touchdown. And the 49ers are leaving the Miami Dolphins far to the rear now. 49ers beat the Dolphins that day 38-16 to with an estimated 115.9 million viewers watching. Super Bowl 19 was the first time that television commercials sold for a million dollars a minute. They knew. They knew what was coming. And the Dolphins were outstanding and hyped. And the 49ers beat them 38-16. to Joe Montana... He might be the greatest Super Bowl quarterback of all time. Don't yell at me, Tom Brady fans. Joe Montana almost never made a mistake on the biggest stage. He never threw a pick in a Super Bowl. He didn't lose one. Anyway, did y'all? can anybody tell me who was narrating that highlight package? I listened to it. It took me a second when I was recording it way while ago, and I recognized it. Anybody know who that was, the narrator on that? I'll give you another sound clip of it when we come back and see if anybody can guess who that was. All right. A little bit of time with you left here in the second half of the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Show. All right, back with you rolling along here in the second half of the show in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! The home team. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to tell you who it was. So I asked, I played that little highlight clip I found from the uh, the Super Bowl played on this day in 1985. It was Super Bowl 19. It was the most watched Super Bowl game ever. 115.9 million people. It was the first Super Bowl that television commercials sold for $1 million a minute. In this highlight package, who was the narrator? Instead of an old-fashioned pep talk, Bill Walsh used sarcasm as a motivational tool. So who was that? You know who it was? The great Gene Hackman. Yep, Gene Hackman. You know, Hoosiers. Unforgiven. I mean, just... Oh, no, no, that's who it was, Gene Hackman. And he's 91 years old. He turned 91 years old on, um, what, January 30th of last year. So he'll be 92 in 10 days from today. Gene Hackman will turn 92 years old in 10 days from today. And like a lot of actors, you know, we, a lot of times we'll bring up an actor's name, we look them up and kind of look up their filmography, and you'll always be blown away at how much stuff these people were in that you didn't even know. <laughs> and I'm sure over his career that would be the same way, but certainly an all-timer right there. And speaking of all-timers, he's on your radio right now, voice of the Bulldogs on the radio. He was on the call last night for Mississippi State men's basketball on your radio on this very radio station. You're hearing my voice from Gainesville and State. Couldn't quite pull it out on the road at Florida. He is Neil Price, and he's on our radio on the Divinity Equipment phone line right now. Neil, good afternoon to you, sir. Welcome back to Mississippi. Well, 
glad to be back. Uh, it's a little cooler here than it was in Gainesville yesterday, yeah. but that's all right, too. Uh, Gene Hackman. Yep. Always thought, to me, Norman Dale was, was great. One of the great movie characters. Uh, how would you not want to play for Norman Dale? Right. And, uh, you know, I can't remember his name, but he was equally great in The Replacements. Much different kind of movie, coaching a bunch of scabs and, and you know, a, a pro football strike. Uh, and, uh, then I remember him as a small kid as Lex Luthor. Yes. That's, that's the first thing I remember when I think of Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, so, and so that's. He was a, a great villain. Great he was villain. a great villain. And he was the villain in Unforgiven, like opposite Clint Eastwood, you know, so <laughs> you talk about a range, but. Neil, you listen to you okay, Neil? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I, I didn't know. You listen to some of the movie titles that he's been in. I mean, not only you know Superman, Hoosiers, but we're talking Bonnie and Clyde. Um, you, you're talking about uh, A Bridge Too Far, uh, The Firm, French Connection, French Connection, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State. Uh, you mentioned the replacements behind Enemy Lines, which was a fantastic movie. Yep. Um, just on and on and on it goes. Uh, he was, he was incredible. You ever been to that uh, gym where they filmed Hoosiers up in Indianapolis? You ever been there? I have, I have not. Uh, my uh, one of my best friends from high school, his daughter played in an AAU tournament uh, in Indy earlier. Well, I say earlier this year. I'm sorry. It tells you my sense of time. I still think it's last year. Yeah. Uh, back in the summer of, of 21, they played an AAU tournament in Indy, and they took them to uh, – that's actually in Milan, I believe, okay. uh, Indiana. Uh, and they took them there to, to see it. And he sent pictures. And, of course, you know, it's 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 just the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, my, my high school principal – his wife was from Indiana, went to Milan High School, which is the story that, that Hoosiers is based on. Uh, Hickory replaced Milan. Mm. Uh, but, you know, she would tell stories about, you know, what it was like when you had no classification in basketball. And, of course, they've given that up, you know, since. Um, but you could, you could have a small school, in theory, like that that could play the, the South Bend Centrals of the world, you know, and, mm. and, and win, yeah. you know. And uh, there's something pretty cool about that. It's a great story. Um, you know, I mean, how how could you not root for those guys? Yeah. Uh, and I try to watch it once every basketball season. I had a junior college coach when I was doing JUCO games early in my career that he would get the team together, and we watched it before every season. And I still try to watch it at least once during the season because it's, it's a good movie. Yeah, no doubt. I, it's been too long since I've seen it. Um, you know, Neil, here in the state of Mississippi, they do a, or used to years ago, do a thing called a Grand Slam. Like every classification had their state tournament, but then at the end, they'd bring the five or six winners and have a little Grand Slam between those. And they tried to revive that recently, and it didn't take, but uh, it is interesting that that's the way it used to be. Neil Price on your radio. Neil, uh, you were on the call, saw the game last night. State couldn't hang on against Florida in Gainesville. What did you make of that game? What was your take on it afterwards? You know, you you have to give Florida a lot of credit because they were able to get a, a win that they needed without their best player. 
okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they were scrappy, played hard, hustled. Uh, that's not to say State didn't. I thought Coach Allen summed it up pretty well when we talked after the game. You know, they were right where they needed to be with seven and a half minutes to go. Mm-hmm. They're up eight points with seven and a half minutes left and then just couldn't execute offensively, couldn't do what they needed to do to close it out on the road. And, you know, so now in two true road games, they're 0-2. Both of them are conference games. And the common thread, I guess, is that there have been stretches within those games. It was a stretch in the first half at Ole Miss that kind of put them in a hole that they, they couldn't get out of. And it was a stretch in the final seven and a half minutes at Florida that proved to be their undoing. So they've got to find a way to, to put together a 40 minute game on the road if they're going to reach their potential. Um, they've got the players, I believe, to do it. I, I really do. Um, but I mean, you look at last night and, you know, I think two points in the final five minutes, five and change, something like that. And, you know, your, your best player who scored 10 in the first half and was getting about anywhere he wanted to go off the dribble, Iverson Molinar, gets held to two in the second half. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough recipe if you're trying to win games away from home. No doubt. Well, and what are, what has been Howland said about the, the recurring bad stretch? You know, like last night, a, almost a six minute stretch in those last seven minutes of not hitting a field goal like where do those come from does it does it is it do you just have to have a takeover player what does he say about that stuff well just that it, it can't happen mm-hmm. if you're going to win you know you can't win that way um in terms of you know what what has to happen to prevent it um i don't know that i have an answer for you other than They've just got to be sharper. Mm. You know, it comes down to you've got to be you've got to be mentally and physically tough for forty minutes. You can't put it on cruise control. Uh, there, there were moments in that game last night, Matt, where where State clearly looked like they were the better team. Oh yeah. I mean they they had a double digit lead on a couple of different occasions in that game, and you're sitting here going, okay, it's it is not beyond the realm of possibility that these guys are going to win a fourth consecutive game against Florida, and they're going to win back-to-back in Gainesville for the first time since the 1930s. Yeah. Okay? I mean, it it was there. Um, Didn't happen that way. So, you know, the only thing you can do is move forward. You know, so the next game is against Ole Miss. It's a game that State needs to win, Uh, not just to even the series with their rival, but they need to win it. To, to keep going, build some positive momentum, heading into a tough week next week, going to Kentucky and going to play a good Texas Tech team on the road. Neil Price on your radio right now. And, you know, like last night, Shaquille Moore, he hits those three-point shots in the first half, and then I think he was one for five in the second half. Um, but, Neil, is that an – do you feel like that's a persisting issue also is – you don't really know night to night if there is a three-point threat in a maroon uniform or not. We don't like it's not consistent enough to know if it's there every night. Am I off? Yeah, the, the no, the inconsistency is is it is a problem. Yes, 
yeah. because, you know, and Coach Allen has said this a number of times, too. He believes that State's a much better three-point shooting team than what it's shown. And, you know, he's got practice data to back that up. And I tend to agree with him. I mean, Iverson Molinar in his career has shown us he is a better three-point shooter than what he has done statistically to this point in the year. Um, Shaquille Moore is showing us he is capable, yeah. but it's just got to be consistent, you know. Um, boy, if they could start knocking him down, what mm-hmm. a difference it would make because now all of a sudden you open the lane up and you've got a chance for – we've seen Iverson do it even with teams really trying to keep him out of the paint, get where he wants to go. Uh, it opens up more for Tolu Smith and Garrison Brooks down the low block. If you could start knocking down those outside jumpers, I mean, it changes a lot of things. And if they can find a way to do it, boy, now be the time. I mean, try to start coming on there and, and really make yourself tough to defend. Neil, with about maybe 30 seconds left, um, in terms of tournament hopes, is Saturday hosting Ole Miss a must-win? Well, I think it's a must-win because it's your rival. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't even look at it from that far down the road. You've you got to win those games, mm. you know. Um, so, it, it, But I think if you look at where the net is, the way Ole Miss has struggled since they beat State, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Neil, I appreciate you, man. It's always great to talk about Hoosiers and Gene Hackman with you, among other things. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) That's Neil Price, voice of the Bulldogs on your radio. Big game, Rebels and Bulldogs in Humphrey Coliseum on Saturday. We'll have one more show this week, and then it'll happen. That's tomorrow. I'll see you then. For Bill, I'm Matt. Happy National Disc Jockey Day. Enjoy it. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. See you then. See ya.